Hey guys, it's Matt, and welcome to the South Coast Kook. This is a surf podcast that shines a light on legends that are connected by their love of catching waves. I'm a former coal miner turned stay-at-home dad who found a passion in creating a community connected by their love of the ocean. I'm a massive ambassador of mental health and a believer in saltwater therapy, giving my time to OneWave as a tribe leader and bringing Paint Your Surfboard workshops to the local community as a creative kids provider. Before we start this episode, I'd love to give a shout out to one of my sponsors, Surf Paints. Surf Paints are tested daily by surfers all over the world. These paint pens are designed especially for your surfboard. Surf Paints encourages the everyday surfer of all ages, skill level and artistic ability to get creative and make it your own. And to celebrate, Surf Paints has given my listeners a whopping 25% off their online store. This is a deal you will not see anywhere else and it's only for my listeners. Just use the promo code KOOK675 at checkout. So if you always wanted to paint a masterpiece on your surfboard or color match a repair job, Surf Paints has you covered. Go to www.surfpaints.com and check out their online store. I hope you enjoy this episode. The following episode is recorded live from the Surf Life Festival that I helped organize on Saturday the 1st of April. Because this is recorded in front of a live audience, I'm sorry for any bad audio quality. I once again want to thank the guest speakers that I organized for the day for giving me their time. This episode is Mark from the Surf Lex Lab. I hope you enjoy it. Got Mark. How you going, Mark? Good, Matt. How are you? Mate, really good. Introduce yourself to start off with who you are and what you do. He's from the Surf Lex Lab. Uh, hi, my name is Mark. I'm from the Surf Lex Lab at the University of Wollongong. I'm also the new Dean of Sport that looks after all matters of sport at the university. So what does that entail, man? What does being the Dean of Sports entail? Uh, community, our educational, the alliances with the Dragons, the Hawks, the Crusaders, Tottenham Hotspur, which is a soccer club out of the UK. So I look after all matters sport. If you want to talk sport, that's me. You got the dream job, man. I know. Just don't let them let the word out. <laughs> so uh, you are from the Surflex Lab. So what is the Surflex Lab? The Surflex Lab is a facility that we set up that works on putting numbers on surfboards. So mainly for torsional flex, for damping, for something that we call fingerprinting. So to characterize a surfboard not in feeling, but in numbers. So that if you bring a surfboard to the lab, we'll tell you it's got a flex of this number, it's got a damping of this number, and this is what the mechanical fingerprint of your board looks like. So that if you bring a different board in, you have a way of comparing it. And like, who, who would benefit from this information? Uh, me, personally, of yep. course, uh, because it makes me understand my own equipment, but also uh, companies. So we work for various surfing companies. We work with elite athletes. So for athletes to understand their equipment, if they want to get a performance edge, they, we can help them find out which of the boards that they actually like and what those boards are in terms of mechanical performance. We also can put sensors in boards and then track the performance while you're surfing. And that's crucial because you can see how the surfer responds and how the board flexes with the 
the surfer? Yeah, not yet how the board flexes, but you can see what happens when surfers uh, go on the waves. You can see entry speeds into bottom turns. You can see exit speed. You can see how much rail. You can see how much angle you have. And obviously, all your speeds, you can work out how much power you're putting into turns. So there's a whole bunch of performance parameters that we can give to people to help capture what their performance is. Yeah, right. And because, I don't know, for me personally, surfing is more of like a, a touch or a feel. Do you find that you get a lot of surfers that say, I like this board better, this board better, but really the science behind it says otherwise that the board's flexing in different ways? Not really. People are usually, and the more professional, the professionals are actually really good at feeling you know, what we can measure. We did a big study and Brett Canellan, who is here, was one of our surfers that took part in that study. What we focused on was, can we measure what surfers feel? So when a surfer feels that they're going faster, is that consistent with the data? And when they're saying they're getting more power in their turns, is that is that something we can measure? And the short answer to that is, yes, we can measure in the majority of cases if somebody, when they feel they're going faster, we actually measure that they're going faster. When they put more turn, more power in their turns, we can also feel that. And that's something that you can use for analysis, analysis of different products, whether it be your fins, your boards, your level of glassing, your PU core versus your EPS core. If you want to use wooden boards, all of that can be tied into that. Yeah, right. So I've, I've been to the lab, so I know sort of what the process is, but how do you check these flex? How do you, how do, you do the tests? We bend boards. We bend boards. <laughs> That's probably the best way to describe it. So it looks a bit like a torture lab. So we try not to damage boards, of course. And if you ever look at my socials, you might see that we break the occasional board or hit it with a hammer, but that's usually done on boards that are already damaged. So we use, we build our own instruments mostly to, because we test on whole surfboards. We don't take a little bit of a surfboard. We put entire surfboards and look how they, what sort of torsional flex that they have. There's a lot of obviously lots of engineering that lies underneath it. But then we bring this down into one number so that you characterize the flex in your board in one value that you then compare to other boards. And like, what's been the biggest like research that you found? What's been the biggest, like, I don't know, like findings that you found? Uh, the difference in, in damping between EPS, so boards with EPS ports, uh, cores versus boards with PU cores. Yeah, and like a lot of surfers would prefer one or the other, but like in your studies, what did you find like when it comes to dampening? And, and again, that's that highly depends on what board you're comparing with what, but generally speaking, if you have a board with an EPS core, you need to do something in terms of the damping, otherwise the board becomes what surfers describe as too chatty, so that when you get into bigger surf, your board start flopping too much, which doesn't sound very scientific, but we actually put this in numbers. So generally speaking, a board with an EPS core, if you put a damper in, which is very similar to the dampers that are in the suspension of your car, then you get boards with EPS core, they dampen more in comparison to a board with a PU core. Yeah, right. And as far as like dampening as a number, um, is that does that affect the lifetime of the board? So the stiffer boards, do they last longer in the sense of like on the flex test? I mean, in the flex testing that we do and all the testing in the lab is non-destructive. 
We've only ever accidentally broken a board of a friend of mine when we were doing a study where we're going to track him over time and we accidentally broke it. So he got a new board. (laughs) And now where do the fins come into play? Because I know that you do a lot of 3D printing at the lab, but like where where does that come into play with your studies and research? So the fins is actually where we all started about 10 years ago when a good mate of mine who's a much better surfer than me by the name of Jeff Latimer, he came to the lab and he had a bunch of students with me with him and he asked us if we could if he could use his if he could use our 3D printers to make fins. So that's how we started. That project ran and is still running. What we're doing at the moment and I've got a a little sample here. So we made fins, but what we never could fully understand is what happens with fins when you're surfing. So the whole 3D printed fin project has now moved on to instrumented fins, where we put sensors inside fins in a, in a 3D printing process. But obviously, we can also do this with commercial fins, where we retrofit sensors to the fins, which then go into very special boards. So this is for research purposes. This is not something that you would do if you just go for for a surf. But that then allows us, when we put tele- what is called telemetry inside the board or on the board, we can then measure how much a fin is actually flexing while you're surfing it. So I imagine that like your own generic fins, that's fine. But when it comes to the brands, um, how are they receiving the information that you're giving them? Is it welcoming? Are they like, do they enjoy the feedback or is it kind of like, nah, they don't really want to know about it? I can't tell you because yeah. I've signed an NDA oh. with one company, but we are, to- I am talking to several companies about this information, but it's also important for, you know, for figuring out to, to answer the question because we know what a board does, right? You can, you can measure it in your lap. You can, track it while you're surfing, we can measure how a fin flexes in the lab. What we don't know is, what does a fin do when you actually lean on it in a bottom turn? Does it stay in, stay in the same position? Does it slowly come back? Does it what people sometimes say where they can harness that energy to then propel them through? Some people are as sophisticated that they can actually feel what fins are doing. What we want to do is obviously measure what fins are doing so that we can check, can we measure what surfers feel? Yeah, right. So how does Jeff Latimer comes into the, the workshop one day, into the um, uni one day, floats this idea about 3D printed fins. How does it become this? Did you just, you know, love the idea and kept rolling with it? Well, for years, I, t- I took the idea and then ran with it. Uh, for years, I've been looking for something that is called uh, translation out of the lab. So a lot of the research that I did usually involved stuff that had a event horizon where I could give it to you outside the lab 10 to 20 years. The beauty about this research is I can make a fin today, you go surfing with it tomorrow. Right? You can come in with your board and we can characterize it. And pretty soon you'll also be able to come and shape because we're building our own shaping machine at the university. It's from scratch. It's our own design but we are looking at different ways for building surfboards for research purposes. We're not going to be a commercial producer because we are, we are a university, but we're using it as a research tool. And that's very much fun to do to build a CNC machine. 
And like, what materials are you using? Because I know that sustainability is like the approach that you take. Yes. Um, obviously, like we said, all the boards that do go there to uh, get tortured are secondhand boards. And as I've learning from my own experience, there's a lot of secondhand boards out there that are useless now. But what materials are you using to make boards like that will last and be sustainable? Not yet. We ourselves are not making them yet. We're still learning the process. But common products that people use are obviously wood. Yeah. There's a, there's a revol- or not a revolution. There's a lot of effort goes into wooden surfboards. Obviously, if I pick up this little broken piece of board, the problem that everybody has that wants to come up with a new material is that you have a surfboard is essentially you got some sort of skeletal structure in there. For a PU board, you'll have a wooden stringer. And then you have this extremely lightweight material in there that also provides support for the glassing that goes on top of it. So anything you want to replace, you have to compete against the really low density of the foam material. So if you want to go to more sustainable, you either need to come up with a way that replaces foam or uses foam in a way that is less, so you, you reduce the amount of material that comes off it or come up with a way in which you can uh, recycle it or come up with a com- way with a completely new uh, way of doing it. There is a company we're working with that make 3D printed surfboards. Their issues are generally because the foam is so low density, anything you print has a higher density. So they're going to end up with holes in between their structure. So they have a problem with solving that, as you see the boards here, because the foam is in there, that provides the support for the glassing on top of it. Yeah, right. And do you reckon you'll do you reckon we'll find something that's going to replace it, or is that seem a long way down the track? I think we we have to find something, and there are lots of people working on this. They we already have seen that Australia is banning the use of single-use plastics. Yeah. All right, polystyrene. You know, we got EPS stands for expanded polystyrene, so it might not be that far off that a government somewhere is going to say EPS and PU foams are going to be banned. So the industry has to drive in that direction. What the answer is, I don't know yet. How do you think surfers will take that? I think if surfers, and like anything, if you're, you know, if you can see the value in it, then people will use it. Think of who uses plastic straws anymore. Nobody uses plastic straws anymore, right? So it's it's a natural progression that will happen and society will probably dictate that this needs to happen. So you said you got the CMC machine there and you're creating surfboards. What else have you got planned for the future? Or is it kind of you're just trying to branch into that and see where it takes you? No, we got a few other things planned where we're working with elite athletes, elite surfers, where I can't say too much about it. Ah, come on. <laughs> So what, but what we are doing is we're helping them in terms of their performance to come up with different solution to their equipment. So in most sports, lots of funding goes and lots of effort goes into changing equipment. Surfing is something where that is slowly now starting to happen, where people are looking at equipment. If you think of what where the next Olympic Games are, there are Chopu in Tahiti. That is a very fast left-hander where, and I've personally not surfed and I probably never will surf it, but if you look at the, at the, the footage, you can see that people take on average a couple of 
paddles, maybe the men take four paddles, the women might take six or seven paddles. And then it's a steep drop, usually with a rail grab, and then they have to stay in the barrel as long as possible. So in terms of, and there is things that you can do with equipment in there. Yeah, so I assume that like the people that we can't talk about, um, like the WSL and that, surely they're interested in your research so they can know sort of where to take with their professional athletes. Like surely that collaboration is down the track somewhere. If they're listening, I would love to work with them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like you, you brought a saw. What's, what's the saw for? My microphone is just gone. I brought the saw so that we can cut a surfboard in half, but my six-year-old daughter is still painting on it, so I don't know if we can uh, if we can do it. Well, um, oh, I'm back. You're back. Well, we can plug the socials. If anyone out there is listening, um, you know, Surflex Lab is where you do a lot of your stuff. And if anyone has any questions, feel free to throw them up and ask him because this guy is a scientist and knows his stuff. But yeah, like any any other research or anything else you want to add. No, I'm obviously always trying to be a better surfer myself, but I haven't come up with that yet, but I'm working on it. Surely you've learned <laughs> stuff along the trot line that benefits you in your own personal surfing. Yeah, I've learned, especially from analyzing the data, that I'm not a very good surfer. <laughs> That's when, one thing I've learned. <laughs> when people like Brett and that take the boards, you can see the benefits that they must get, surely. I've, I've actually seen data from people on the, on the CT uh, circuit, so... And their data is very different from mine data. Yeah. Only just. <laughs> well, thanks, man. Uh, thanks for coming down. And if anyone wants to, um, yeah, reach out, go to the Surflex Lab or uh, hit Mark up for all your questions now, he'll uh, happily answer them. But, yeah, thanks, Mark, for coming down. Thanks, Matt. Total pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. No, no worries, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you're hearing, like and subscribe on whatever platform you choose to listen on. If you'd like to know more about the South Coast Kook and what I've been doing, go to my website, www.southcoastkook.com and check it out. My website has a small online store and stacks of surf content, plus a free ebook for you to download. The free ebook, which is called The Kook's Guide to Surf Products, is targeted at surfers on their own learn to surf journey who are ready to buy their first board. I fully understand the frustration and confusion that comes along with buying your first surfboard. That's why I made this ebook easy to understand without all the technical terms and maneuvers so even a kook like me can understand it. If you'd like to know more, go to my website www.southcoastkook.com and download it for free today. Thanks everyone for your support. Until next time, bye.